Welcome, Pathfinders, to the Find the Path podcast after party for the Faded Tales yeah. part two. Yay! Woo. We made it this far, y'all. Uh huh. Somehow. Barely. <laughs> it was a little touch and go there for a moment. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Jeez, seriously. <laughs> oh, I'm man. still shook up over that. That fight was so funny. I think yep. we all agreed that uh, Rick has been channeling his inner Greg Vaughn. <laughs> this is what happens when Rick gets to home. What gets to like make stuff, guys? This is why we're like we play APs. Greg, <laughs> you know? Greg Vaughn and I commiserated at PaizoCon. We just yes, sat there and carried on know. long conversations about. Yeah, they did. Lovecraftian horror and death. So uh, yeah, I suppose we'll start with episode number four, which was all of your departure from the city of Wati. Everybody got to enjoy being back in Wati for all of uh, three episodes. And just in Which the necropolis. Nice. Yeah. I mean, enjoy is relative, I guess. To be I fair. quite a good time. <laughs> I'd actually be curious to see. I don't know if the doorkeepers actually spent more episodes inside of the necropolis or outside of it. I don't know. I'm going to go with uh, in. Uh, like, that's, that's a good that's my question. Vote. I'm going to probably say in. And, you know, Sagira actually left Wati before the doorkeepers did, because we spent a week or two there upselling stuff and everything else before we left. Waiting on so, legend lore. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. So Sagira actually is out of Wati before the doorkeepers even are. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, they're still hanging out the tooth and hookah, appreciating a reasonably priced in before making their way to Tefu. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All I want so, is a reasonably priced in. Speaking of reasonably priced ins, episode four was the one where we got story time with the Viper. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it was a, it was a very exposition revelation. The, the Viper told us a Lovecraftian story. It's true. It's true. Yeah, and it's not a true uh, Sagira, Lovecraftian story because there were survivors. But yeah, true. one. True. <laughs> no, there's usually at least one survivor in the Lovecraft stories. That's how the story is told. Is, quote touched by the darkness and blah yeah. blah. That's true. You did find that out later. I was about to say, he Um, survived, but did he? Yeah. Yeah. Did he? Uh, So, yeah, you guys got to to get a little background exposition. We learned about Falto's dad. Robert. I think you honestly learned more about Falto and Segura's parents than you learned anything pertaining towards the Viper. Yeah. No, we just, yeah, we learned about the the, situation. Yeah, the Viper told us what happened. He didn't tell us squat about himself. He's not going to do that. Well, we know that he's scared of this thing that happened, and we know that he, you know, hasn't changed in 20 years because he still looks out for numero uno. Yeah. I mean, we weren't really expecting anything different there. I mean, he's also here looking out for his son. Yeah, but only because it's his son. Yeah. Like, if it had been one of the lieutenants that got disappeared, he wouldn't be looking for us. He'd be like, whatever. No, no, not at all. (laughs) Nope, they should have been better at being a lieutenant. Mm. That's true. But this is, like, personal because, like, you're messing with his thing. Yeah. So I'm curious, uh, and I know this doesn't necessarily apply to Ross. Ross could say he thought whatever he wanted to think. Woo! Were the events that transpired there remotely anything that any of you envisioned for what happened to Sudi's tribe to no, Sigiris' parents? No, because I wasn't expecting the Narlathotep angle at all. Yeah. I was expecting the uh, the Pathfinder group or whatever we want to call like uh, Robert's expedition. expedition to have violently like decided that they wanted whatever was in the Inner Sanctum and just killed everybody yeah. to get That's it. That's what I thought too. I thought he pulled yeah. up, oh, we're the only ones that can guard these ancient powerful things. Give it. And when the cat folk said no, a just fight broke out. Yeah. So yeah, uh, did not expect the Cthulhu yeah. So the Cthulhu angle, angle and the Narlathotep and the Lovecraftian horror, yeah, I was not expecting that at all. I mean, we probably should have because we all know Rick. 
<laughs> well, also, if you think about it, like the Black Pharaoh, uh, because Paizo loves their Cthulhu mythos so much, I should have known that at some point something with the Black Pharaoh is going to come into play because this is a perfect time to have it. Well, well I here's the question. Is the Black Pharaoh stuff actually yeah. in Mummy's Mask? I, I don't or think is that it is. just a Rick thing? Well, I think we it's were, Rick. We're going... In the main story, we're going to the Black Vein, probably, so... Yeah, but how much of that is stuff that Rick read yeah. about things that are in there and pulled to use for Sudi's backstory? Well, that's why I'm asking Rick. Yeah, Rick, tell us. What I will say is, there is a Lovecraftian influence in Mummy's Mask, as written. I knew it! Mm. Now, I may have... Embellished? Yes. Cranked uh, it up expanded. to ten. Yeah. 11. This, yeah. 11. This one goes to 11. It's uh, one higher. Yes. That's the madness. I, <laughs> I may have expanded that a little bit to accommodate, well, one, my own personal brand of horror and also a chance to, to delve into a part of Osirian history that doesn't really get touched on a lot. It's a lot of interesting backstory to the setting that I couldn't pass up the opportunity to utilize. Yeah. Very cool. I love that backstory stuff. So here's a, here's another uh, question for you, Rick. How long have you had this story in your pocket of Robert's expedition with Sudi's parents and Citra's parent, or sorry, Segura's parents and everybody in there? Have you had that since the beginning or have you been kind of like fleshing that out as you go? Uh, a lot of it has been fleshing it out as I went. An unfiltered look behind the screen here. I didn't really start conceptualizing what was going on with their backstory until about, I don't know, 20 episodes in more or less the time that I decided to have Sagira's mother die. Oh, and you knew that we weren't going to die to a cat eating sarcophagus. Yeah, so I think that was like episode 19, I believe, was when Sagira found oh, out about her mother girl's dying. Night out. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was yeah. I think it was on your way back from your double date. I think it was, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's when I originally started conceptualizing all of this, and I will just say that when Sagira left the doorkeepers is when I decided to change certain elements of it because I kind of knew at that point that I would probably tell a lot of that story. The thing is, is that while a lot of this deals with Sudi's backstory, Sudi's backstory kind of expands beyond this. These are the events that kind of that led to Sudi's situation where he was in Wati. However, Sudi's calling really defines who he is more than his origin. And so mm-hmm. I knew pretty early on that as far as this story was concerned, that, that touched on both Sudi and Sagira's backstories, it was really more Sagira's. Uh, it was a catalyst for Sudi's backstory, but Sudi's backstory really is a catalyst for his calling and possibly the surviving catfolk, whereas Sagira's is more one of understanding and to a degree, a little bit of vengeance. You know, going out there and getting violent closure seems more Sagira's <laughs> type. I mean, it is. Violent closure. <laughs> violent closure. Cheaper than a therapist. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah, so I, I would say that the story as it is now was something that I, I conceptualized around episode 70. Hmm. But yeah, you guys got the uh, the backstory, the lowdown from the Viper. Have understood a little bit more of it, I think, as you progressed on. Because in the following episode, you uh, you actually reached episode five. You actually reached the the shattered remnants of Sudi's well, I think for a while there was a bit of confusion where I spoke about the children of Sekhmet and also the children are also the eyes of Raw. And mm-hmm. it wasn't really until you got the full story from the Viper that you realized how distinctly different the two groups were. Mm-hmm. Where it was kind of like the children of Sekhmet are the, you know, we're the populace of this town. And the eyes of Raw are like, no, we're, we live in this place and we punch anyone who comes up here. 
<laughs> like you do, you know. Like you do. But yeah, and then you met a tentacle monster. That was awful. Yeah. That was, that was pretty horrible. And I, I still can't get over this giant psychic worm. It's like, I have a sword too, guys. I, yeah. I, I can also stab you. <laughs> the thing is, is when it dropped the mind fog, that's immediately when I went like, I oh, this is going to be an awful fight. <laughs> Anytime confusion's on the table, it's bad. Oh, true. Yeah. true. Yeah. A confusion aura too. Like how yeah. extra bad is that? Because you know that's going to affect your melee fighters. But my first question for you, Rick, is what was the challenge rating on that thing? That's a great question. Yeah, I'd like to know that, too. Uh, it is a CR 10. Okay. Okay, so it's supposed to be oh, a hard okay. fight. Yeah. Yes. And it so was. <laughs> it didn't feel like CR 10. It felt more like CR 12. Well, it's <laughs> it's one of those occasions where it's always party build. Yeah. Like, if you if you had walked in here and it had been on Uris with his god-awfully high will saves, and if you'd been able to cast preparatory spells upon seeing it or even have the buff spells on here... If instead of a instead of a slayer, Heather was playing like an inquisitor, mm. it's you're never necessarily prepared for exactly what you're going to run into. And this party seems to be surprisingly low on the willpower hey, because you're um, mostly a stealth build. I have a plus eight. Thank you. That's true. Well, Ross has an <laughs> insane. Ross just rolled badly. Yeah, yeah. Dice I, were hating Ross. Ross's I, dice were cursed. <laughs> I effectively that had a plus good. 15 for that fight until I got hit with the mind fog. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. that was rough. So here's a question for you, Rick, because I know it, it did the the brain pinch, I think is what I was calling it. What <laughs> would have happened if I failed that fort save? I would I have just died? died? Uh, no, it just drops you down to negative one and dying. So you could have so died. I so I probably yeah. would have died. Could yeah. have died. It's kind of it's kind of like the harm spell where it's, yeah. this mm-hmm. more or less puts you on the road to death, but not necessarily dead. Uh, there are okay. actually there are two fun things that it could do that I didn't get a chance to. One of them I came surprisingly close. The first one was, uh, as mentioned, it did have an aura uh, of confusion. Yay. Known as its aura of madness. Mm-hmm. More or less because your brain can't comprehend what you're seeing. All my characters yeah. are insane from now on. That's just... Yeah. <laughs> the new rule. Um, You've learned to work with the insanity. <laughs> yep. And it does affect any sane being within, being within 30 feet of it. It can actually suppress it if it wants to as a free action. Where it can be like, I can let you observe me. But uh, it didn't decide to do that. I wonder why. But the neat thing with this is, I say neat in quotations here, is if you fail five consecutive saves against it, you gain the confusion permanently as per the insanity (gasps) spell. Oh, Oh, no. That would have been absolutely horrible. Yeah. And I was like, it's like, oh, man. Especially when Heather, I think, said, it's like, I rolled an 18, I get a 21. I was like, oh, well, the DC for this is 21, so there might be a good chance that Heather fill, fells a lot of things. <laughs> Heather wrecked my day. I'm I sorry. Like, hey, <laughs> I tried to hit you once. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even and get a full she just retaliated. Yep. Confusion is the best spell for, like, crazy fights, though. Yeah. yeah. Like, it guarantees a crazy fight's going to happen. I'm just happen. glad I didn't critical you. Uh, <laughs> I thought you did once. No, I came real close, but I failed oh, okay. to confirm. That's right. Uh, yeah. I could have sworn you did. I thought I, I critical the monster, but I don't think I criticaled Sagira. I, I thought you remember. did because you took off, like, 30 points from already. Because you have, you have a 17 to 20 crit, 18, don't you? 18. 18 to 20. To 20. Yeah. She hit me three times in a row. I don't yeah. know if she yeah. critical that. <laughs> yeah, if she critted you in that, you would have probably been down. I wouldn't have been down. Well, but... further down. is pretty hardy. We got to deal with that. The other thing I didn't get to use was its poison, mm-hmm. which is kind of neat, uh, which Insanity does wisdom poison. damage. 
Oh, of hey, course. Hey, we're good at fortitude saves. I knew it. Yeah. Yeah, it does, uh, it does wisdom damage. And as an interesting side note, anyone suffering from ability damage caused by this poison is also deafened. Oh, yeah, weird. Oh, that's a weird side effect. Yeah, I don't know why, but it's neat. Insanity. Another of my favorite moments, because it was just so dumb and so funny, was uh, Zephyr trying to get into Sakira's bag and her just, like, <laughs> elbowing him. In the oh, face. God, yeah. yeah, you nailed him right in the face. I think That's we a... established you broke I his nose. I did critical him. I didn't yeah. mean to. It just that was happened. a good shot there. Ow. <laughs> I rolled a lot of 20s in that. Yeah, I do like that the thing worded put this at my feet. So Zephyr just at the end just put it down in front of it and was like, "What am I doing?" Yeah, what are you lying? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it used that against me. I used that. That's not fair. <laughs> Stop it, you. Honestly, I think that fight would have gone a lot smoother. One if uh, if Ross could have rolled above a five, would have been helpful. Yeah, yeah. Yep, for oh my sure. God. Yeah. But other than that, honestly, I think you guys handled yourselves pretty well. Jessica was rolling phenomenally. So mm-hmm. I know. I stole all of dices, all the dice luck from everyone else. Everyone well, else's luck. From Ross and Jordan. Well, I never had any to begin with, so you didn't steal much. <laughs> well, yeah, that's why I had to take it from you and Ross. I rolled maybe, so many threes. Jordan, yeah. maybe Jessica's always had your luck. I mean, I have thought of that. I've contemplated that many a time. It's possible. The other thing I love about this thing is it's a, uh, a huge, it's a 35 foot long worm with a plus 16 stealth. How? <laughs> it doesn't have burrow or anything. How? It's a tremor. It just, uh, it just walks around. It has tremor sense, which was cool. But uh, uh, yeah, I found that very rude because I was like, just to get on it and did at least one attack with sneak attack. That was so attack. funny. I was so and, disappointed. And then, and then you hit yourself in the face. Well, yeah. you know, as soon as I had to start making the saves for that, this one of the, it was one of those moments I was actually sitting there. I was going, I should have been a regular alchemist because I'd have just bombed the bejesus out of it. <laughs> I know it's probably not how it looks at all, but um, I think it's because we just finished playing the remake of Final Fantasy. Uh, I remember that sideways, like, flatworm machine that we fought. Yeah. And that's what I kept picturing when we were fighting this. And I was just like, oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my Lord. Uh, also, can we just stop and think about the fact that it had a wand of searing light, which is the thing <laughs> that the Haunter in Darkness wouldn't like, because it is probably particularly vulnerable to light. Mm, it's true. Yeah. But it's also something that may, they may have been able to find just want, like laying around in this place in an ancient Osirian glass case that says break in case of Haunters <laughs> in the, the Dark. Haunter in the Dark. <laughs> yes, that's fair. That's fair. Well, and then the next episode, we met the Shaitan, I'm guessing. Oh, yeah, yeah uh, definitely. Me, actually, I do want to. Oh, can't do this for the audience, but uh, they can they can look it up on their own. There's a picture of him in case you needed uh, an oh, idea God. of what he oh, looked like. Oh my God! Oh Lord! No. <laughs> wow, that's no. so funny. So yeah, that's crazy that thing old horrifying. <laughs> that's worse than I than I was imagining. It's With even little purple, like a purple stuff. worm. Yep. With his little awful. sword in one, and Thanks, it looks it. kind of like a stake in the no, other. No, no, no. But yeah, its, it's tails a, are a lot bigger than I was envisioning in my head. I, see, what I thought it was is I thought it was like there's a caterpillar, I think, that has like a tail that is like two like little protrusions off the back of it. I didn't think they were like literally Yeah, tentacle. I thought they were two little baby things that were like, like ha Which is yeah, why it was so too. funny that it's whipping these swords around. But yeah. no, that makes more sense. It's whipping the swords around. Yeah, because yeah, I was like, your little butt tentacles are like <laughs> swords. Yeah, see, that's funny. how I pictured it, too. So that's why it was funny. Now it's oh, just God. terrifying. <laughs> 
I like that we all went the same route though. Of like, <laughs> ah, it's a cute, funny little. Well, one. I was thinking like a, like a centipede or something, and they've got little like butt yeah. tentacles, yeah, but they're yeah. not very big. Mm-hmm. One, this just proves that we're all on the same wavelength, which is why there's so much shenanigans in our true. games. Yeah. True. Uh, so yeah, the fun thing about this was, of course, like I've been using Bestiaries one through three for pretty much the entirety of Mummy's Mask because it's an older adventure path and it doesn't use the four, five, and six. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I actually got to delve into the uh, occult bestiary oh, supplement oh, for this guy. That makes sense. So yes, I that was magic. fun. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It was an interesting fight. And then uh, following that, you guys got a chance. Uh, we did some healing off air. I don't even know if we mentioned that in that episode. Yeah, that we, we did. did, the we did off air. Yeah, we did. Oh, okay. We did right. at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> very, we're not going to bore briefly. our audience with our healing spells. Yeah. Even, even though I think everyone enjoys the healing spell sound effect. True. <laughs> Plus, everybody likes numbers going up. It's true. Numbers do going do up I still get the healing uh, sound effect if I'm drinking a potion? Ding, no. Ding. No. I can't remember if I've done that before or not. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. think. I don't know if it, you did either. I don't know. I need a potion drinking sound effect, but that would probably be <laughs> annoying. <laughs> yeah. Those are both awful. No. Yep. So <laughs> let's not include those. <laughs> yeah. So then you guys had made your way into the temple of Sekhmet, the Black Fane. Mm-hmm. Where the air conditioning was on. Yeah. yeah yep. Which is not weird at all. Turns out when the uh, the cat folk all died, they left the air conditioning running for <laughs> 18 years. Oh, man, I'd hate Fair. to see that power bill. <laughs> <laughs> and the cultists have covered Sekhmet's name with Narlathotep's name. And desecrated oh, it. Name. Yeah, and the place is literally desecrated, which is going to make fighting those skeletons actually a little bit of a challenge. Yup. It's true. I don't know. Sagara's looking forward to using some undead or fighting some undead. Finally, Crucible is too because they're vulnerable to his stick. Also, they're glowy-eyed skeletons, which usually means skeletal champions. As yeah, true. Say, most true. skeletons don't have glowy Many eyes. A champion. They could have class levels. Oh no! Yeah, but we got to talk to a, a cat folk, <laughs> and we got to talk to a shaitan. That was pretty fun. Yep. It's true. You got to do a little seance thing, get a little bit more information there. We also, we got, also got to see the Hall of Heroes. Yeah. We got to see a little more information about City's special stone and what it means to, like, his people and all that. How they collected it, all the special stones. Well, and we've already established that it, it was his grandfather's stone. So mm. now I'm wondering if his grandfather was this, I think, it, Stone Fist was his Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that's what it was because the stone's so, missing. But it's, like, 400 years old because he reached the point in Living Monolith where you stop aging. So mm. he could actually be, like, really old. Yeah, Segura was like, hmm. That's what all the time discrepancies are about. It's one of those, these stories like span a thousand years, but they're supposedly about one person. It's because they were immortal. Yep. Want to yep. live forever. You got to die through violence. That's true. But if Sugi can uh, get to high enough level, he'll have that to look forward to. Woo. But the stone had been like pried off, which means I think that the Sphinx was like catfolk. All the eyes of Ra are dead. Let me go ahead and get this stone. Just in case. Yeah, because Tedesura yeah, had it. She's the one who gave it yeah. to Sudi, so. Yeah. Super interesting. So. Either she pried it off or one of Sudi's parents took it. Yeah. I also appreciate yeah, this is a little bit of a, a nod to Jordan's backstory that apparently Tedesura went. It's like, okay, well, and I can also trust that this, uh, this human that I'm dropping this uh, off with and also this baby cat folk will take perfect care of this super important stone for however many years because she actually left it with Sudi as an infant. Yep. 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 You know what? So. Sometimes things work out. Yep. Maybe that's why he's always afraid he's going to get robbed. 
<laughs> he was he was told it's the most important possession that he has, his special stone. This is all making sense. Right? I'm interested in Rick, obviously this could deal with future stuff, so you don't have to answer it now, but the future. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Just considering um how important the eyes of Raw seem to be to this entire situation, is there a chance you know Sudi might get caught up in some of this at some point? It's quite possible. Considering Falto and Sudi want to find this place, so... It's true. So, for all you know, they may be somehow involved with all of this eventually. You can't quite be certain. Yeah. They show up, they see a dead purple worm, they go, that's kind of weird. They go into the Narlapatet <laughs> place and they go, oh, God. Oh, there's a bone here. That's weird. They go down the hallway, they see just a, a hallway full of dead cat folk skeletons, and they go, huh. And then Segura, like, carves Segura was here in the wall so that they can be like, oh, oh. Segura was here. <laughs> and an explosion. Don't forget the explosion. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah that we all did also. get blown up a little bit. The whole time they're like, it's like, maybe it was Segura and the faded. Oh, wait, no, no. There's no chance that an entire party full of faded rogues or something would miss the strap. I uh, missed it by <laughs> one. I cannot yeah. believe that. We're not oh, rogues. Missed it by one. It's true. That was so close, too. Yeah. Uh, also, there was a shaitan lady who was mad at me and scared and weird and only talked to me kind of a little bit, maybe, if she wanted to. It's true. She has uh, issues with your dad. And also living oh, in yeah, a creepy sure. Narlathotep temple with cultists, that might do a number on your insanity. It's true. It's true. So either she's trying yeah. to kill us or trying to help us. I don't know. Maybe both, both inadvertently. <laughs> true. Yeah, we didn't go your... down the other pathway, so. I think she's trying to figure out what to do with us because she seems to be mostly confused. Yeah, but because of her, sure. we got all arts and craftsy yeah. and decided that we need to make sure that the rock is in light at all times. Rick it's, laughed so um, much while we were like, this is what we're doing. It's true. Dwayne Johnson has to be outside 24-7 or the universe <laughs> explodes. It's true. But yeah, I don't know if that plan is going to work at all, but it was totally fun to pretend yeah. that it would. Yeah. I was, I was just going to say, I didn't think it would actually work. Placebo effect. It's not like any of us really know any better, so we're really just being safe. It's, it's like, okay, so the so the genie lady says it needs to be in light. Let's make a cheap knockoff raw box. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think if a zero-level light spell would have worked, they wouldn't have bothered with the raw box. But then again, who knows? Maybe who they knows? were just overcomplicating it, Ross. Maybe. Maybe all they needed... Was a knockoff raw box. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, uh, Crucible has a zero, zero wisdom bonus, so it seemed perfectly reasonable to him. There's a reason I, I kept belting two, whiskey but... while you guys were making that. <laughs> <laughs> the druid was like, God. Clan <laughs> Chat was just having a great time. Yep. <laughs> it was a team building exercise. Yep. I go. just picture Planchette and Wolf sitting on the ground with the twine doing that like cat's cradle like game to make the thing to hold the All right. stone put in. Put your arm in and then let it go. Okay, I'm going to do it again. Now put your arm up through the top. Ah, look, it's off your arm. It's where it goes. <laughs> and the Viper's like, wow, these are my best Truly. people. Truly, we are the most feared gang in all of our city. <laughs> all right, now let's record. I think all of into the uh, the mummia too much. <laughs> I will say, Crucible being like, "No, I'm gonna hide over here." That was very funny. 
I try to make Crucible <laughs> as funny as possible because we need some levity in these dark Cthulhu times. That's <laughs> true. It is the darkest of timelines. Indeed. Yeah, and then you open up the door and there was an army of catfolk skeletons. Yeah. That's going to be uh, quote unquote fun. It's I really just included fun. it there so that Jessica could stop complaining about the lack of Yay! undead. <laughs> I was going to say, she, she might have murdered you in real life. a literal pile of bones. Yes. <laughs> when you build a ranger for an adventure path that in the player's guide says there's undead, but then there's no more undead, you've just built a crappy fighter. Well, <laughs> I mean, you did leave the main AP, so. It's true. I didn't know I was going to have a little side story. Well, and also arguably like the undead focus is maybe 40% of the enemies that you fight. So still being really awesome 40% of the time. You also are really good at fighting humans, which makes up a good proportion of the people that you would have fought in like Tefu. I know. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, poor half orc Really good at it. My dice were really on my side that fight. Yeah, it's probably a good thing that Planchette was on the back because she's, you know, full on human. (laughs) So Gara's just like, it's unfortunate that you had your father's nose. That's <laughs> <laughs> part of the half of you that I'm good at attacking. <laughs> I look for the thing that's most human on you and I hit it. Well, congratulations, you did. <laughs> Ow. I would have sucked you in the eye, but you have your mother's eyes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I gotta I'm stop excited. stealing them. I'm pretty happy that Sudi's not here to have to punch his ancestors in the face. It would really be sad. That's yeah. true. Yeah, I don't know if that would go over very well. Some of them still have their special stones embedded in their foreheads. Why do you always have to do it? You always kind of take it one step too far. So sad. So, yeah, that brings us to where we are now. Now, so uh, I thought we'd do something a little bit different. We've been doing some experimental stuff here with the the after parties at our faded section. Because we can. Okay. uh, And have some fun things. Are we going to have to make a raw box? Uh, Knock yes, off raw box. <laughs> yes, I'm going to need you to verbally describe how you're making this raw box. You know, uh, I did find a cool little Pinterest thing about how to make like hanging jars, which could probably work. My <laughs> lord. <laughs> Good to know. We do have an email in that uh, I wanted to address. And okay. then I'm going to do something a little bit strange with it. Uh-oh. So first off, this email is from Tom in Karamaga. So, hi, Tom. Hey, hey Tom. Hello. Tom routinely Hello. writes into us, uh, this man is the walking encyclopedia of rules knowledge that honestly, honestly dwarfs mine. Wow. Uh, wow. Yeah. yeah, he routinely writes into us. I don't give him enough shout outs because uh, it does bring to attention mistakes that I make. And then I just kind of breeze over. Mistakes. because uh, I am, as I think I stated a long time ago, at least 98% human. Mm-hmm. So the other 2%. The glasses. Android. I don't know. (laughs) Android. Uh, Inevitable. So so what's the mistake? So he wrote in to say, hey, enjoying the faded with Sagira again. Small note. It seems that like the cure line of the two consecutive saves for the Great Cobras was being used for the initial affliction from a comment from Ross and Heather making a secondary save on their turn after not taking any damage the first. The cure entry only comes into play if the PCs fail the initial save against the affliction, poison, curse, etc. Which is a mistake that I've made before, and so I apologize oh. for that. Okay. So, for instance, a poison that says it requires two consecutive saves only applies if the poison is actually afflicting you, so you have to fail the initial save. Ah. I mean, ah. that makes sense. I mean, if you pass the first save, it's not hurting you, so, I mean, yep. I get it. Well, that's good to know. Yeah. No. Uh, he then 
finish this is off with a troop on everyone. Glad that you're taking the quarantine seriously. And we are. Uh, yeah, and I'm glad that everyone are. else is. Granted, I am excited to be able to go out again, but I would like everyone to be safe before that is an option. So mm-hmm. staying home yep. is what we shall do. Uh, which actually brings us to a, uh, a side segue, which we have a wonderful community on our subreddit. Uh, we engage with them fairly regularly, and they are always uh, great people. And someone on the subreddit raised a really interesting question that I thought would be a fun thing to talk about here. Mm-hmm. This is, uh, I'm going to say, Drolfdeer is how I'm going to pronounce oh, it. Oh, I love Drolfdeer. He hangs out in our streams. <laughs> By the way, we so, Twitch stream. Yeah, we do Twitch stream. Oh, yeah. Catch us on Twitch, y'all. They wrote in to say, while listening to the episode, I thought back to my own mummy's mask group. Have you ever considered using the Unchained Poison and or Disease Rules? I always had the exact thought they mentioned in the Unchained book for why they created these rules. Regular poison and disease feel somewhat odd. At early levels, they are super annoying and get to get rid of because you have no easy access to restoration. Later, you have easy access to restoration and they become more resource management than actual threat. And especially poisons often don't feel that dangerous because it's, quote, just a minus to stat X boohoo, end quote. While that still hurts a character, it lacks flavor. The Unchained versions, on the other hand, do almost the same thing mechanically, but work slightly better. And using poison as a PC is now somewhat viable. God, how do I hate telling new players that their, quote, rogue with poisons and stuff, end quote, will probably not work the way that they envision it. <laughs> no. So, yeah, actually, I do really like the Unchained rules for the... Uh, the poison, the disease track, it does make it a lot more viable and it does make it a little bit more realistic. But at the same time, technically all of the Unchained rules, except for the classes, are considered to be additional rules, side rules, things like that. And when we set out, we initially envisioned trying to uh, adhere as closely to the core rules as we possibly could, which sometimes comes with warts and all as far as the disease mechanics, which uh-huh, warts. I don't think are much of a challenge for the party anymore. Although we're devastating for the party for the first, like, 30-something episodes. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Mummy Rod especially. Yeah, it does eventually just kind of become a resource management game once you have high enough levels. But... Although, I mean, any poison that affects constitution is always awful. Yeah. Yeah. Especially because of the casting time for restoration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's hard to be able to like, I'm going to quickly take care of this problem. It's like, no, you can watch somebody slowly dying. Uh, But there was a whole (laughs) lot of uh, Ross and... Jordan just kind of staring at each other to see who was going to die first from the poison after the <laughs> Viper fight. So. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> the Emperor Cobra fight. <sighs> so, yeah, that's honestly the only uh, email that we're going to address today. And I do know that we had a little bit of conversation about this and we talked about doing a bit of a casting, but we're not going to be casting deities because you know, that's the doorkeeper's responsibilities. Uh, <laughs> as much as I would love to give you know, Ross the opportunity to cast I don't know, Norgerber. Ayamade. Uh, we we We've already <laughs> cast them. I was yeah. about to say, yeah, yeah. and they've done that. Groatus. <laughs> Kurgus would be fun. Groatus is just the moon from Majora's Mask. Okay, moving on. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I second that motion. Yep. That's voiced by Anthony Hopkins. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Wow. Okay. I mean, that'd be sufficiently creepy. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Yeah. I ate their souls with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. <laughs> <laughs> so instead, however, we have not had the opportunity other than Jessica to cast the cast of characters that we have here. 
So I figured I would kick that out there. So uh, Jessica, if you want to remind everyone who you cast for Sagira. Gina Carano. Gina Carano. Because she's swole. Because she's yep. swole. <laughs> and that's the I, only thing that needed to be met. I mean, she yeah. looks kind of like her, but she's also swole. I loved her in the uh, the Mandalorian. Yeah. yeah. She was she funny. Was she was funny. Yeah. And Deadpool. But yeah. Jordan. Uh, okay, so this was surprisingly easy for me because I've recently seen Bird of Prey. Uh, Ewan McGregor, and I had to look it up to see how he would look with black hair. I found a picture of him where he's looking kind of punky uh, with 2000s. black hair from like back, yeah, back in like the 2000s or something. And uh, in, in if you haven't seen Birds of Prey, see Birds of Prey. But um, Ewan McGregor does a fantastic job of being just a little creepy and very like yeah oh, he's super goodness. creepy in that movie it's a lot creepy. Just yeah. a so it's, it's that's <laughs> i just want that but like put crucible's clothing on him <laughs> <laughs> okay so and you're admitting the crucible is indeed creepy yes no 100 percent intentional <laughs> but that is not just me being like you know a bad actor that is like entirely intentional Fair so enough. is this uh with beard or without beard hmm Ooh, yeah. Does Crucible I have a beard? He's a dandy boy. Yeah, I I'm gonna go without beard because yeah. yeah, he's a bit of a he's a bit of a. a um, I don't picture Crucible with a beard or facial hair at all. That's yeah, right. Just, yeah, I have no to fancy. You know what I what I picture? Um, and I know this movie came out a while ago, but like League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, when Dorian Gray is like trying to like pluck his eyebrows in the mirror. <laughs> that's Crucible. Yes. Yes. <laughs> he did complain about his clothing being singed. And he wanted did. a tailor. Mm, true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, you know what? Uh, just so you know, in the future, Zephyr does have craft clothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ze- wow. uh, Crucible is saved, and Zephyr is his new best friend. <laughs> and Zephyr's upset. He probably about just it. never lets Crucible in on this. Like, oh, no, he probably just listens to no. complain all the time. Everybody knows and he's better just like, nah. than to become Crucible's friend. <laughs> Wolf is trying very hard to avoid that. <laughs> <laughs> so, what about Wolf? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Mila Jovovich. Oh, nice. Yeah. Interesting choice. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, I mean, I do love Mila Jovovich. She's, I think we Mila all Jovovich love Mila Jovovich. Is, you know, very athletic. And Wolf, you don't ever see her face. So, and I like, you know, Mila Jovovich has, you know, she has expressive eyes. That sounds weird. But that's um, like the she's o- perfect. No, yeah. yeah. So that's, and that's about the only thing of Wolf you ever see because she's wrapped up in those, you know, mummy-like bandages, and then she's got her armor on over that, and then she's wearing a veil and a cloak. I was going to ask if it was because of the uh, the bandage outfit she was wearing in the fifth element. <laughs> I didn't or, think yeah. about that until, <laughs> I didn't actually think about that until after I picked her, but yeah, so, I mean... That's way more scantily than I think yeah. you would. But. Yeah. <laughs> so, cool. But yeah, I'm going to go with Mila Jovovich. Fair enough. I think everyone loves Mila Jovovich. So. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That is my girl crush. All right, Rach? Um, so I'm actually going for more of a, a no-name actress. Well, not no-name. I mean, she's obviously named, but she's not big in, like, the American Hollywood scene. And I'm, I'm probably going to butcher this name. Not like she's going to listen, but if, in case, you know, something... In case she does listen. In case she does. Um, it's Miriam Alferjani. And she's she's done a couple of uh, movies, and she's even directed one called Omerta. And um, she just has this, like, just kind of cute but serious look about her, which I think really encapsulates uh, Planchette because, you know, she's she's sweet, but she could probably, you know, punch you out if she needed to. But I, I just I saw a couple clips of the movies and and it yeah, just it kind of she just 
I just like her look. It's it's just planchette. Yeah. Nice. There we go. And Ross. So this is always hard for me because I don't really know actors very well. Um, <laughs> it's okay, Ross. I can help you. <laughs> yeah, every, everyone. <laughs> everyone here knows that. You know, usually it's like they list off a name, and I'm just like, I, who? I don't know. Um, Had to explain ben earlier Kingsley today. Earlier. Ben Kingsley. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. didn't know who that was. Um, but, you know, then everyone just starts listing movies that are like, oh, well, they were in this and they were in this. It's like, I haven't seen that. I don't know that. What are you talking uh, yeah. But despite all that, I think I've got somebody cool. I'm actually going to go right. for Omar Sharif for Zephyr. <gasps> nice. I love Omar Very Sharif. Nice. I picked him for Very Horace. Nice. Yeah, I mean, I I have a feeling that he wouldn't go in for a shaving bald on his head and be tusks. Nah. <laughs> but so shaving if, bald, maybe. Maybe if I could convince him to do that. I mean, obviously yeah. this is fantasy casting, so in theory I yes. could. It's true. Then, mm-hmm. like, yeah, I think that he'd do great. Plus, I loved Lawrence of Arabia. It's a great film. Yeah, nice. I, I liked him in his his brief stint that he had in the Thirteenth Warrior. Yeah. Ah. Yes. Yeah, it's been years since I've watched that. Jeez. Oh, it is such a good movie. I think it it mm-hmm. like would have done so much better if it hadn't come out the same year as Braveheart. Mm. Yeah, because it it is a fantastic movie. Omar Sharif. But yeah, mm-hmm. so cool. that's my choice. All right, and then of course we do have the the Viper to uh, to add this in, and I figure we would do a a round table for everyone's envisioning of the Viper. I think we made a joke about this at some point because just uh, another shout out to our our wonderful subreddit where I think I made a crack about the Viper being played by Tom Hiddleston. <laughs> Hiddleston. <laughs> Hiddleston. Yes, but he can't be because he's the male Kalistra, so we can't yeah. double cast. Well, I'm going to stand by you my choice. You can't do that. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. Tom Hiddleston has range, Heather. Yeah, one is one is with a beard, and the other one is him without a beard. Oh my god! <laughs> but I uh, I do want to make a shout out here to Cheeky Apple, who summed all this up by saying, "I mean, who isn't slightly thirsty for Tom Hiddleston?" No one. No one. <laughs> no one. It's, it's true. It's true. It really is. <laughs> so, but let's go ahead and start with Jess. I'm gonna pick Amir Wakhead. I may have said that wrong. It's AMR. Uh, he's an Egyptian actor, but he was in—he's been in a lot of stuff. Um, he was in Syriana. He was in Lucy. He's like unconventionally handsome, uh, and he kind of looks roguish. So that's what I got. Yeah, I like. Very him. nice. Okay, for me, I'm gonna go for—I'm probably gonna mispronounce his name—Mahershala uh, Ali. That's correct. We're very bad with names here. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. But the last thing I saw him in was Luke Cage as Cottonmouth. Oh, and so uh, he exudes that charisma that I feel like the Viper just has. But he's and, dangerous. Yeah. And being dangerous. He's also six foot two um, and kind of lanky. So he kind of fits that part of the Viper's build. I can't remember. Did he win the Oscar for Moonlight? Yeah. Uh, I so. oh, did think he, he yeah. did. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I mean, the so. man has range. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. He's done pretty much almost like every type of award. He's gotten something. Yeah, he's cool. Nope. Phenomenal actor. Yep. So there's my, there's my pick. Uh, Richard Armitage. Is that the guy that played? Uh, That's Thorin. Yeah. Thorin. Okay. 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 Yeah. Interesting. And he does look good in a beard. 
Yeah. So there's that. Uh, he also has amazing vocal range because mm-hmm. if you listen to the Wolverine podcast produced by Marvel, he is the voice of Wolverine. He's Trevor oh. Beaumont in Castlevania. That's true. He's also Trevor, Trevor and Beaumont. And he also played uh, the Sheriff of Nottingham in that BBC Robin Hood TV series. Huh. Oh, I need to watch this. Yeah, Richard Armitage <laughs> is a great actor. I like him. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. He has that kind of look that I think would work for the Viper. Hmm. I like it. <laughs> yeah. So, Rich? So, um, Just one. I, I have only one. Because <laughs> originally I made the joke that I thought it should be Tom Hiddleston, but I didn't think Tom Hiddleston really fit perfectly, even though, I mean, I would pick him for anything. However, uh, another one that I went for, and this is because the first thing that I ever saw him in was actually Sucker Punch. And he played okay. kind of a sleazy character, and I kind yeah. of imagined that the Viper, while charismatic, is very sleazy. Um, Oscar Isaacs. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Um, okay. Because, and he has kind of the look. He's got the curly hair. He's got that nice trimmed beard. He, he's very charismatic, but he can, he can, he has range. I mean, he's been in a freaking ton of stuff. Yeah. And, um, most I just, famously I, recently Star Wars, but yeah. yeah. Most, yeah. most recently he's Poe Dameron. But yeah, the, I... Because uh, I remember talking to Rick and he was like, oh, well, Oscar Isaacs is too nice. And I was like, I don't know, because the first thing I saw him in was Sucker Punch. Yeah. And he was not nice in that. He was very so, sleazy in that. Very sleazy in that. Just shows his range. He's amazing. Yeah. What about you, Russ? Do you have a pick? Okay. So it took me a moment. However, ultimately, I did get to something. And I've picked. <laughs> so I don't know how many of you have ever watched uh, MI5. Um, Richard Armitage was one of the main characters in that. Oh, huh. no, I'm not. It's a it's a really good series. Episode. Yeah, I'd heard really good things about it. Yeah, it's it's really amazing. Uh, he doesn't show up till a later season, but I actually picked a different actor from that show because Richard Armitage did remind me of something. Uh, a gentleman by the name of Shazad Latif. Um, Shazad Latif. Um, he was also in uh, Penny Dreadful. If you watch that. Um, he Wait, plays, I did watch oh, that. Oh, I did watch Penny Dreadful. He plays Dr. Jekyll. And oh, then, yeah. Let's see here. He's in Star Trek Discovery as well. Oh! Oh, okay. Yeah, I know I know who he is. Yeah. Yeah, that's a pretty good pick, too. Yeah, he's, yes. uh, he's a really good actor. So, yeah, I, I'd say that he yeah. could probably do a good job. He's a little young, yeah. but, eh, you know, I think, I think it'll work out. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, no, I could totally see that. Yeah, okay, I'm on board. I I changed my vote to Ross's vote. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everyone, you know, get on our subreddit and cast your votes for the Viper. Yeah, so uh, so go on to our subreddit. uh, Feel free to vote for your favorite of the uh, the casting for the Viper. And uh, again, thank you for joining us during our quarantine adventures here. And then uh, get ready for the continued adventures of the Faded next week. Yay! See you right. dun, dun. Until next time, Goodbye. Pathfinders. Good yep. luck. See you then. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Stay safe, everyone. Yes, yeah, safe. Yeah. Stay definitely. safe. Wash your hands. Keep everyone out of Attack of Opportunity Branch. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, that's the best way to express that. Find the Path Ventures is an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. Mummy's Mask is copyright 2014. Mummy's Mask and the Pathfinder Adventure Path are trademarks of Paizo. All Pathfinder images are property of Paizo and are used with permission.